welcome to the Holt Center Podcast. I'm Rich Hobby, Director of Marketing, and I'm so thrilled to be speaking with our next incredible artist performing in our 10 by 10 series on March 24th, Kashana. Kashana, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm so pumped to come out west. So we're coming from Alaska down to Washington, down to Oregon. So we are so ready to see all the sights. We realize it might be colder there than it is here in the south <laughs> in Tennessee, but um, we're, we've got our base layers and we are ready. Now, thank you for joining us today. So I'm so excited to have you here on March 24th. And to kick things off, I have to ask you a question about your origins as an artist. I've read that you started with the interesting connection of music and therapy. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I started my career in music as a music therapist. So I went to college for oboe and music therapy. And I thought I would be a professor teaching, you know, other future therapists how to how to be a therapist. But um, I honestly, when I was coming up in the late 1900s, we were not talking about, you know, self-care. So... Um, songwriting was the thing that I used as my own healing. And I learned how to write when I was with my patients. I was working in Atlanta in mental health hospitals. A lot of my patients were about my age. They were poets and, and hip hop artists. And I started writing with them. So that was, uh, they were kind of my teachers. And I, uh, in the like 20, 14 or 15 I had to like tap out and just take a little middle break and I figured let's just see what the songwriting world looks like and I've been doing it now ever since full-time so um, I still do music therapy today but it's more on my terms and it's more using the skills that I've learned as a songwriter here in Nashville and bringing that into a room a setting with people that might be in recovery or are experiencing houselessness with adolescence. So I'm still using my skills, but more on the songwriting effort than the neurological effort. That's so interesting to hear and such a fascinating touch point. Can you tell us a little bit about any of the impacts that you've seen your work in therapy have? You know what, it's it's more intention. So there are so many songwriters that I've met and encountered over the years that have a heart for community and love to do songwriting with people in the community. Um, but it, I, what I find it is just the intention. I'm coming with the intention of a music therapist that we're not trying to write a hit song. It's not really about the song. It's more about the process of getting to the song. Um, the definition of music therapy is the use of music to achieve non-musical goals. So the songwriting experience is more for us to speak about difficult pasts, to work through trauma, to come up even with um, mantras for oneself that can they can turn to when they are in a dark spot. Um, even problem solving can come up when you're writing music with people with that therapeutic, you know, nugget in mind. So it looks the same, you know, between a, a, a songwriter and Kashana, the music therapist songwriter, it looks the same. It's just the intention is different. And it is more like I have to remove myself as an artist from the room. And I am there just to support those in front of me. Backing up just a bit, I love hearing about that moment 
uh, when artists develop and, and finding out kind of what inspired them. What was it in your life that kicked off uh, this inspiration and drive to be in music? My house was always full of music. Like the fam- there was always music happening. My dad plays guitar and he plays, played in gospel quartets. So he was always practicing, playing. He, um, I talk about this often, but his the solo to Hello by Lionel, Lionel Richie is like ingrained in me because that's all my father would play over and over again. It was just that guitar solo. And so I grew up hearing him in the living room with his amps turn up loud, just playing all the time. And on the weekends, music was always playing when it was time to clean the house. Um, if we were gathering for family events, music always happened. We just, either we ended up at church and my grandparents all sang in the choirs or we would, the family would be singing around, you know, the, the dining room table. Um, music was just always a part of who I was. I think the thing that got me into it though is my aunt queen. She passed away when I was like in third, fourth grade and she was my favorite aunt. Like I, I, I am now older than she ever lived to be. Um, but she just had this wisdom about her and a calmness about her. And after she passed, my mother asked me if I wanted to take piano lessons as a way to connect with her. And that, that connection is not stopped. Like I've, it's like I latched on to music and that is, that is the thing. That is who I am, what I do. Was there ever a time as you were learning your craft where you noticed that you just had something special going on? You know what? I don't know if it ever happened to me on a stage. I feel like it happened to me in hospital rooms, just with clients saying, you know, oh, your voice is very soothing. When you sing this song, it makes me feel this way. Um, I think that's when I realized, because I've, I've never thought of myself as a singer I've always thought of myself as a storyteller. The The voice for me was just a tool, you know, like to help people get through pain management or to help like reminisce over memories. But I, I recall just patients telling me, I love it when you hum this song. I knew that I could use my voice in a different way. Um, yeah, I still struggle with, you know, imposter syndrome because I'm considered a singer and I'm like no (laughs) and the only reason I started playing guitar was because of music therapy so um I would not be an artist if I hadn't been a music therapist first I've seen the same guitar featured in some of your photos and I have to ask do you have a special relationship with a particular instrument that you play with I've had a few all my instruments are very special to me but most recently I've, I've partnered up with Takamini. So they gave me, they've seen me play. I used to play a harmony, which is hanging in the den. I still write on my harmony. 
And my harmony guitar is, um, it was a rebuild by Scott Baxendale in uh, Athens, Georgia. And it just has this warmth to it. I love an electric, but it's something about having an acoustic to your body. Like I can feel the vibrations. For me, that is, it feels weird playing an electric instrument because I don't feel the vibrations the same. But I'm hard on guitars. That's why I couldn't play the harmony anymore. I am just like, I dig in. I knock things out of tune. So Takamini was like, hey, girl, we see you. And that, that harmony needs to stay in the house. Because why don't you take <laughs> this Takamini? You can beat it up all you want, and it'll still stay in. So, yeah. So you're not going <laughs> for that Willie Nelson look quite yet. No, no, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> I'm going to wait till I'm 60 for that. Yeah. <laughs> Something else that stood out to me about your story is that I learned that you also oversee a nonprofit known as Your Song. Can you tell us more about that project and what it means to you? Uh, Your Song is a therapeutic songwriting organization, and it started in 2020, right in the midst of the pandemic. Um, 2020, I had just released my album, Listen, and it, the, the plan was we were going to be on the road touring, and I was going to see all these new countries. It was going to be amazing. And then when we were grounded and we're inside, I realized like, man, I'm lonely. <laughs> it's really hard not being able to connect to the audience. Cause that's where I would recharge. I would, I knew my purpose when I was in front of an audience, right? I knew what my mission was, but without an audience, I was like, what am I even making music for? So I just reached out to my fans and said, Hey, if you're struggling, I know I'm struggling mentally. I have this skill I can offer you or I can help people write a song. You don't even have to have any musical experience. And it started there. And then it just snowballed into, you know, from individual rights with people from all over the world, really. It was amazing writing with people in, in the UK, um, in South America. But then it's snowballed now in, from being virtual to me working in person with a lot of groups, organizations um, around the country have gotten... Um, wind of what I do so when I'm in town touring we usually will ask the performing arts centers I'm playing at hey is there any organizations you would like for Kashana for me to come and do a therapeutic writing group with and that is again how I feel like I am planting myself in a community rather than just flying through town you know um, how can I plant little seeds of positivity around the country I'm so lucky to have seen you perform live, but was wondering if you might be able to share uh, what kind of show will audiences be getting on March 24th? Who will be performing with yeah. you? I'm going to have two of my very good friends. I'm going to have Nikki Conley singing with me um, on all the tenor parts. And then I want to have uh, my friend Shannon Labrie is going to be singing all the high soprano parts. And both of these women are songwriters and artists in their own right. So I am honored when I get to bring them with me um, on the road because it's not only fun but like I know when I'm around other artists they understand the journey of a, of a tour you know um so our live shows are full of storytelling I'm sure you can tell I'm a little bit of a chatty Kathy I love to tell a story <laughs> so it's a little storytelling and it's a little um a lot of song a lot of songs a lot of harmonies uh a lot of Kashana backing off and letting Shannon and Nikki take the lead on things so I can receive at that moment. You know, I love listening to the two of them just use their voices. And um, 
that is honestly, our, our shows are ones that make people think. We hope that people leave the show with a new perspective on how to walk around the world and how to see one another and see the strangers that we encounter every day. You know you want to help, but you're deaf to the mission. Even when you see the hand under, you pretend it's my decision. Don't try and say that our struggle's the same. Don't lie and tell me I'm ready for change. Have you all developed any fun habits or traditions when you're touring? Oh, yeah. We sage a lot in the car. <laughs> we do a lot of sage. We do a lot of rose water. Um, you know, the immediate thing I'm thinking of is before we walk on any stage, we make sure that we, because it can be a little, I like to be nervous. If I'm not nervous before a show, then I'm worried about the show. So something we always try to do is just touch and agree. We say touch and agree. We put our hands on one another. And we just say the mantra that I have, which we are a voice in a vessel for those who feel lost, forgotten, silenced, and who are hurting. And we always say to one another, let's get out of the way. Whatever the audience needs to hear, may they hear it. If we are to receive something from the audience, may we receive it. So it's it's a little ceremonial in that aspect of like, let's get out of the way. We're just going to show up and do what we do with intention behind it. Um, now, when we're not on stage, we're always looking for the best donut spot in town (laughs) so if you have any suggestions let us know um nikki has uh, a nice little rolling tally going in her phone of uh who the winner would be what town has the best donuts um but we love finding sweet little like coffee shops bookstores we love a good bookstore and just we have to watch ourselves um with the amount of books we come back with but those are our main things donuts and books well, just a heads up that we do have a Voodoo Donuts about a block from the venue. Danger, danger. Yes. <laughs> Nikki's going to be psyched. <laughs> After seeing you live, I have to admit, I had one of your songs stuck in my head for weeks. Uh, so we need to talk about Nighttime Animals. Can you tell us about how that song came to be? Nighttime Animal. I wrote that song with my friend Zach Smith. Uh, ZG Smith is his artist name. And... Zach had the little like idea and like a little bit of a verse and he invited me in to finish writing it with him. And we were just thinking about the freedom that nighttime animals have. They have so much autonomy over their bodies and who they are. There's nothing governing them but the moon. You know, there's no, uh, we are not surprised when a raccoon digs in our trash and knocks a trash can over. We're not surprised when a bear hunts for food we're not surprised by possums you know crossing the street creeping around at night um but when we think about how free nighttime animals are versus us humans people that are walking around the world there's so many legislations against us uh, there's so many laws and against us and um what's the word i'm looking for biases there's so many bias that so much bias people have against us in our bodies that we can't always walk around the world that free. So I love to ask the audience right before we play it, you know, or even after, what's your nighttime animal? If you could be any animal that roamed around at night, who would it be? 
And it's always amazing to hear what people say, especially depending on the region we're in, you know? Um, vastly different answers. <laughs> and we always love hearing from artists about the advice that they'd give to creatives who may be on the fence about going all in in their artistic endeavors. What advice would you give to someone afraid to take that next step? I think the the it's taken me years to figure this out, but I would tell anybody, make sure you're doing it for you, not for the machine. Um, to be an artist is to be a historian. Um, you are allowed into spaces not everybody gets the opportunity and the privilege to walk into. And you're given a microphone. Not everybody gets the opportunity to use their voice. So I like to always encourage folks, you know, people will tell you to think about brand, but forget brand. What's your purpose? So when you're writing, when you are performing, when you are touring, what's the purpose you want to put behind your music? And a lot of times if you have a mission statement for yourself or just a mission in general, if you can let the music serve that mission, I think you will have longevity in this career of being an artist and a creator of music because your music serves something bigger than the machine. Kashana, this was such a pleasure and I personally cannot wait to have you here at the Holt Center on March 24th. And a quick reminder to all that each and every ticket is only $10 and those can be found at holtcenter.org. Kashana, thank you again for your time and we can't wait to see you here live. We are pumped, donuts and all, yes. <laughs> Why don't you say-